And the word that Jesus uses here, love your enemies, is agape. Notice, the love that must be willed by that person, the Christian. The Christian must use his mind in reason deliberately to choose it to do what? To love your enemy. To love people, that is the hardest thing we could ever do. Welcome to Somebody Loves You Radio, the Bible teaching ministry of Raul Reese in Diamond Bar, California. It's good to have you with us today for our continued focus on the eternal impact of God's love. Today, Raul will explore a difficult charge we've all been given as Christians to forgive our enemies. It may seem impossible to let go of the anger or hurt that someone has caused you to feel, but as you keep listening today, you'll see that God can help you show others His grace. We'll start today in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. Here's Raul Reese with the lesson, The Law of Love. Here Jesus, and I think for every one of us, is going to be very hard. Because this is now the last six illustrations that he's given to us. And this now is the last illustration in chapter 5. And it has to deal with the Word of God as the Pharisees not only were extending the law of God, but they were not keeping to the law of God. Because notice what he says reading at chapter 5, verse 43. Let's read down to verse 48. He says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. So here he starts out with the negative. Now look what he says. But I say unto you, verse 44, Love your enemies and bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than the others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Wow. Now, don't let the word perfect scare you. Nobody's perfect. The word perfect here, we'll see in a moment, there are four Greek words. One of the things about love is that it's important that we understand the word perfect means to be mature. Now, this is a tough thing that Jesus has given to us here today. Because as we see the call of God here, God is creating not only a great family called the body of Christ or believers, who are going to spend all eternity with each other. But before we go to heaven, we need to learn what? We need to learn how to get along in unity. Especially with non-believers. That's the hardest thing. We cannot retaliate against people. I mean, that's what we love to do. That's what I would love to do. Retaliate. That's the easiest way. But here Jesus says, if you're really a Christian, if you're really a child of the light, and you belong to the kingdom of God, then you need to what? Love people. To love people, that is the hardest thing we could ever do. 
And this is why God wants us to live together as a family so that we can love each other and we can love our neighbor as who? As ourselves. As ourselves. Let's begin with the first point in chapter 5, verse 43. He says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. You see, in the law in Leviticus 19.18, it says this, Thou shalt love your neighbor as yourself. Notice they added this other part. And hate your enemies. God is not a hateful person. I mean, sure, because we're born in this world with a natural sin nature. That many times as we see our parents, our grandparents, uncles, or aunts, and even our own children, That our children learn by the example they have in their homes. So I think that we need to understand from the lessons that Jesus has given to us in the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is not for the world. It's for the church. For you and for me. So when Jesus says something here, he's going to correct what the Pharisees were saying. Check this out. The nation of Israel not only made two fatal mistakes... Of interpreting the law. Number one, they said neighbor men, only people of their own community, religion, and nation. That's what they believed. And then secondly, they were not only to hate their enemies, but not to even fellowship with their enemies. Well, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that you're to love your neighbor. Love your neighbor, and therefore the reason was added by them, and hate your enemy. God is love, and he doesn't hate anybody. And then people say, well, then why will God send people to hell? It's not because he hates people. It's because you made the choice. God gave you a will. Either to choose the light or to choose the darkness. To love or to hate. Heaven or hell. And it's so cool because God never forces any one of us to do anything. And that's why he gave us God's word. That as we read and as we grow... And as the scriptures begin to take effect in my life, that I'll either become a doer of God's word or I'll become what? I'm not a doer of God's word, but ignorant of the word of God, willfully rejecting God's word. Because when you look at this lesson this morning, these people here, the purpose of them was to hate people when the purpose of God is to love people. And we are supposed to, Paul said, what? Imitate Jesus Christ. To imitate, to mimic the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet when you look at the church today, look at the condition of the church. The condition of the church is the church has become ignorant to the word of God. When the church is supposed to be salt and light, when the church is supposed to lead the way, the light is greater than darkness. If people are in the darkness, what do you do? You come over to the wall, find the switch, and turn on the light, and the darkness is gone. That can only happen when you repent of your sins and you come to Jesus Christ by repentance and become born again of the Holy Spirit. Look at the second point here, verse 44. The meaning of the law. And this is Jesus speaking. But I say unto you, see, this is what you said, but I'm going to tell you the truth. This is what I'm saying in fulfilling the old to the new. But I say unto you, love your enemies. And what? Bless those who curse you. Notice that. Bless those that are cursing you. Instead of retaliating, you bless them. You say, that's really hard. Amen to that. It's real hard. You cannot win people 
in any way by preaching to them. It's by demonstration of humility, repentance, and the love of Christ in my life. That's the only way that can happen. So here Jesus is speaking of this love that makes me go the extra mile. Love your enemy. Bless those that curse you. Do good to those that hate you. And pray for those who despisefully use you and persecute you. One of the things about my life and my parents' life is that when I got saved, it was through the power of love that before they knew who I was, and then now I was a new person. And it was very hard loving my father, loving my mom, loving anybody. But I read the Bible. In the Bible, I was going to a good teaching church, Calvary Chapel. And the Word of God brought conviction to my heart. So I knew that the Holy Spirit was real. Do you know today if the Holy Spirit is real in your life? Is He making changes in your life every day? Are you listening or are you ignoring what God says? That's really important. So here the Lord is bringing an important thing. Again, he says, but I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those that hate you. And pray. Notice, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. He said, well, how can I pray for people? Okay, I'll pray, Lord, get them to hell. (laughs) Right? But imagine when you have someone in front of you they hate. And you have to say, Lord, give me love for this person. And then when the Lord gives you that love and you go to them and they see you, they are shocked. It's not a phony love. It's agape love that God is giving to each one of us individually. And yet every one of us should have this love because it is the love of the mind, reason, and choice. It is a sacrificial love that is a love that cares for people. It gives and works for one another's person for good. No matter how that person may respond to that person, agape love is always forgiving. Always, always giving. And the word that Jesus uses here, love your enemies, is agape. Notice the love that must be willed by that person, the Christian The Christian must use his mind and reason deliberately to choose it to do what? To love your enemy. To love your enemy. You're listening to Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. Raul is with us in the studio to spend just a moment talking about the love of God and how to better understand it. Raul, is the love of Christ enough to turn someone away from their sin? God's love, that's why the Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave. The Father sent the Son so that the Son could come and die for the sins of the world, which means that if He died for the sins of the world, the whole world, not part of the world. So when He talks about the whole world, He talks about you, He talks about me. Those people that we don't even know, that maybe in the Amazon, wherever it is, in China, if they would repent, they would love God, and they would be forgiven. Imagine this. People are going to die saying they love God. And God's going to say, why didn't you change? Mm. You know, I mean, that happens. Uh, I talk to people many times, and they'll say, well, I'm still on drugs. I'm still drinking. Well, how can that be when the Bible says you become a new creature? Right. So what happened to the new creature? You went back to the old creature. So God, how can God use your new creature when the Bible says you grieve the Holy Spirit of God? You know, and last night I was teaching, the dog goes back to his own vomit, and the pig goes back to the mire. So he's talking to Christians. 
people that knew the truth and went back into the vomit, the world, the stuff of the world, and the Lord says you can't do that. Okay, so let's say a person has repented for their sins, drugs or alcohol or whatever that might be, and they say they love the Lord, but when you look at them, there's really no change in their life. It's it's almost like they're saying this is a lie. Yeah, they don't love God, and they don't even understand that they're being judged. And then one day, the books are going to be open, and they're going to find themselves not in the book of life. They're going to find a book where it's going to be judged into the white throne judgment of God. And people don't really believe that. Yeah, and we can see that all around. Around us. Well, I talk to people here that been here a long time, and then when we talk to them, they've been in the sin all their life, and I ask them, how can you be in this and other sins when you have the Holy Spirit of God? How can that happen? I know that when I sin, I feel bad, and that does immediately, Lord, forgive me. And when you ask for forgiveness, you have to mean it. Because if you say you ask God to forgive you and you go right back to your problem, you haven't really asked for forgiveness. You're still rebelling against God. Well, Raul, once again, thank you for your time and your concern that people would know the love of God through the Lord Jesus Christ. In just a short while, we'll tell you how you can get the entire series of messages we're airing on the love of God. But first, let's get back to more of today's lesson, The Law of Love. Look at the third point, verse 45 to 47, the fruit of real love. He says that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Now, how can we become sons of our Father? By loving people. We are the sons of God. And then he says this, For he makes his Son to rise on the evil and on the good. I mean, you see that? And then he says what? And sends rain on the just and the unjust. If you love those who love you, what reward have you? Why? Because when people hate you, it's a sacrificial love to love people. Otherwise, you have no reward. That's what the heathens do. If you love those who love you, what reward have you? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? But if you greet your brethren only, then notice, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? There's no change, he says. But to love people, there are three things that we must do. Number one, love makes us a child of God, a true child of God. You see, love is always a sign of and proof that a person truly loves and truly knows God, his creator. That's a sign of a real child of God. Listen to what John 13 says. Jesus speaking to his disciples, verse 33. Little children... I shall be with you a little while longer. This is where in chapter 13, he's having dinner with the disciples and washes their feet. He says, you will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, where I am going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I'm giving to you, that you love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples. Notice that if you love one one another. You really want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ and love people. Don't hate people. You see, God loves his enemies. Number two, love makes us what? Like God. We're not God. It makes us like God. He loves. We are to love our enemies like Christ, and then we become more like who? Like Christ. Like our Savior. People will see Christ in us and through our lives. As we truly become that. 
In 1 Timothy 6, 11, Timothy says, Paul's telling Timothy, But you, O men of God, Timothy, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. Those are the true fruits of a Christian. Paul is talking to Timothy. Timothy and 2 Timothy have some real problems in 1 Timothy. Paul is taking him along, discipling him. And he lets Timothy know, look, Timothy, this is a child of God. This is a true man of God. That he flees all things, pursues after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. Thirdly, love makes us distinctive from other people. For example, as believers, we must do more than others in loving people. We need to go beyond what others do. That shows the signs of love. And remember that God has done more and more and gone beyond by sending who? His son, Jesus Christ. Can you imagine how the Father in heaven said, Jesus, you're going to have to go to the only place in the universe that has people. This little world. And you're going to have to go and you're going to have to die for them because Adam and Eve fell in the garden. And when Jesus came, he was born in Bethlehem in this little stable. And then as he grew in Nazareth, and then at the age of 30, brothers and sisters, they lived with him for 30 years and they rejected him until Jesus started his ministry. And after his ministry, James came to know the Lord. And Jude came to know the Lord. And they wrote two epistles. But here we see Jesus making a distinction. For example, in 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 21, he says this. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself, through who? Jesus Christ. And has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. And has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you in Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God, for he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin for us, that we might become righteousness of God in him. I mean, imagine what a privilege it is what God did for each one of us. We were all going to hell. And God, by sending His only begotten Son, because God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, so that He could cleanse you and wash you and forgive you from all your sins by going to the cross and shedding His blood. The love that God has for each one of us individually. Check this out at point number four. Verse 48, this is a hard one. Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now how can we be perfect? None of us can be perfect. There's no possible way. If we were perfect, then we don't have to go to heaven. It would be a perfection that we would get along with each other, we would love each other, and this could be heaven. But because Adam and Eve sinned, We fail, and what's the first thing that happens when they fall, when they have, notice their sons, Abel and Cain. Abel is killed by his brother because Abel had a sacrifice by faith, give to God, it was accepted, but Cain's sacrifice was rejected because it was not given by faith. 
So what does he do? He takes a knife and kills his brother. Hides him in the sand. And the Lord comes along and says, Hey, King, where's your brother? He said, Am I my brother's keeper? He buried him in the sand. He says, I know that you kill your brother. And what does he do? He curses Cain. He curses Cain and puts a mark on his forehead. So we go back again to the Old Testament and we see things to come. So it's important that we understand now fourthly the evidence of true love. Verse 48. The charge here is be you perfect. The idea of perfection here, listen, it is that which is an aim and a goal and purpose. The word means to fit, mature, fully grown, notice, at a particular stage of growth where in your walk with Jesus Christ. When you get saved, we're not perfect. Should we fail? I fail, I don't know about you. But you trip, you fall, you get up, you trip, you fall. But over a period of time, as you get into the Word of God, you get into a church that teaches God's Word. And you start getting educated by the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit working in me and through my life. I come to a place where Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, that I'm no longer to be carnal, you see, but to be spiritual, which means I understand the things of God. I'm not stupid. I'm not ignorant. And what does that cause me? It causes me to obey God. It causes me obeying God and His command. So again, this does not mean perfection. Perfection of character, that is being without sin. That's not what it means. It is fitness, maturity for a task and purpose for every believer's life. That's what God expects. Again, it is this. It is a full development of maturity and, listen, godliness in the child of God. That's what God desires. Ephesians chapter 4, 12. In 11, he's talking about the gifts. He gives pastor, teacher, evangelist. And then in verse 12, he says this. For the equipping of the saints, his gift have been given. For the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come into unity of the faith. And of the knowledge of the Son of God. To a perfect man. There's mature again. To the measure and the statue of fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, in cunning craftiness and deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things unto him who is the head, Jesus Christ. And then check this out. From whom the whole body joined knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share it causes growth on the body for the building up itself in love perfection maturity in Christ Jesus the reason the church is so messed up there's immaturity in the church they don't read their bible they try to live in experience And you can't live by experience. We live by faith. That's real important for each one of us. Listen to James, the brother of Jesus, 1-4. But let patience have its perfect work. Notice that. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. You see, maturity. Coming to maturity. How about 1 John 4-17? Love has been perfected among us in this. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love. Cast out fear. 
Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. There it is again. Three times perfect. Mature. Maturity. We need to mature so that we can do exactly what God says and the world can see that we're truly children of the light. You're listening to Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. If you've tuned in late or would like to hear part of today's lesson again, we'll be glad to send you the complete copy for a donation of $5 or more. Just call 800-634-9165 and mention today's lesson, The Law of Love. For more insight into the Lord's great mercy, we'd like to tell you about this entire love series. We've put together all 25 messages on an MP3 flash drive, making it ultra-convenient for you to ground yourself in the hope of God's goodness and grace. Contact us today to order this resource and find out what it looks like to follow the Lord in forgiving even those who seem unforgivable. To make your purchase, visit SomebodyLovesYou.com or call 800-634-9165 and we'll send your Love Series thumb drive for a gift of $25 or more. Once again, that's 800-634-9165. To order by writing us, our mailing address is Somebody Loves You Radio, P.O. Box 4440, Diamond Bar, California, 91765. This is a listener-supported ministry, and that simply means that your continued prayers and financial support are crucial to keeping us on the air. Thanks so much for your partnership. Well, it's always a privilege to study God's Word with you, and we invite you to join us again next time as we explore how the Lord's love can fortify your marriage as you and your spouse choose to daily walk in God's mercy and compassion. This program is sponsored by Somebody Loves You Radio in Diamond Bar, California.